Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 109 and as per usual my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And at the end of this week's episode there is a massive special announcement regarding the podcast so stay tuned for that. But this week I am joined by an absolutely amazing actor who is also a fellow podcast host. Please welcome to the podcast Chris Moffat. Drama school dropout, no graduation day for you. Drama school dropout, thought your whole course, now try something new. Drama school dropout. Welcome to the podcast, how are we? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Um, all good. Welcome to the fam. <laughs> really, that's uh, being brought into the uh, drama school dropout I'll, I'll add you to the group chat in a minute. <laughs> we don't have that a group be, chat. I was going to say that the pattern there would be would on fire. Do you know what? Genuinely, like I still keep in touch with a lot of my guests, and I, I think it would be funny to do like a group chat because there are some people that don't like each other in that mix. That would cause some uh, arguments, which yeah. would be quite good to air. You I mean, know. Celebrity Big Brother's coming back, so we could, we could <laughs> figure it the fuck out. But is how are you doing? You did. Sorry, sorry, I was going to oh, say, is that big... something you did? Did you, did you apply for Big Brother or something? So I got to the very, I got as far as you can in the Big Brother application stage without walking in the house. So what happened? What was the reason? Uh, they just didn't go with me. I just, I got to the final 16 and 14 went in. Oh, wow. I used to love Big Brother when I was younger. Oh, me no. too. Like... I, I and it was always like my dream to go in. Now, no, and now I'm so fucking glad I didn't go in. Right? Is it just because now maybe you've done more acting and stuff? And you're more kind of like it's you're not more that. aware of it stuff. Was, you know, it came down to even while I was in the process before I'd made the decision that if they said yes, I would do it and I would try and be the best person that I could be on television. And if they said no, I was fine because I didn't ever want to be. I I was halfway through my third year of my hnd i didn't want to be that person that you walked into an audition room and went there's that dickhead from big brother that got chucked out for being a dick in week four um and i don't know reality tv is isn't reality Mm -hmm. like i i know that now after speaking with so many people that have done it and things are construed um i used to be a very heavy drinker i wasn't a nice person when i drank and I, I, I knew I was going in to play the villain. They told me that, that I was going to be the villain of the season. Well, they told you that, really? Yeah, because I went in and I told them what I'd planned to do. Like, I fueled the fire. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, I gave them the matches. But it was just like, I just didn't want to do it at the end. Like, I was just more like, this isn't what I want to do with my life. It's not the kind of person I want to advertise that I was. And it wouldn't have ended well. No. I know well, for a fact. You know, you know. Yeah, no, I fuck that. No, I would <laughs> like to do Love Island as like not a contestant, but like has like an an in villa agony aunt. You know that, that would be great. I, I I never watched Love Island. Didn't want to be on that train, but uh, you know this past season, I was so good. I was it's so good. I will say though, I would love to get involved in reality TV behind the scenes. I've got such a good idea for a reality TV show that. I think, and you know what? I'll just say it. And if somebody steals it, I'll just be happy. I think that from the fringe, we should take like, so theater companies like Heather and myself that are just new starting theater companies, each should get assigned one of the lowest rated fringe shows. And they have X amount of time to make it better. So say there's like five pairs doing it. And then at the end of like the two months that they've got to put this show together, mm-hmm. whoever gets the highest rating gets a fully paid fringe run the next year. That is a good idea, yeah. And I think that it would be good because, first of all, you'd get to see a lot of like behind the scenes of theatre making. You'd yeah. also give people that are up and coming in this industry production side of it, because you see a lot of things like, remember those Andrew Lloyd Webber shows where it's like the next Dorothy. Right. It We've done a lot of that with actors, but I think that we it would be really good to find a lot of creatives, writers... Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's some shit that goes on at the fringe that could be improved. Yeah, and listen, people don't know all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes yeah. in these plays that might be quite interesting. Yeah, oh, that is... Heather and I are doing a documentary for This Is Where We Get Off because it's coming back, and people will be like, I did not know that happened. Yeah, they'd be surprised, right? Like, just the shit that we've got to like deal with on a daily basis of like people being like, especially we did it, I wish we'd have filmed the documentary the first time around. Oh, really? So this is the second run? Yeah, so this is like... We started filming the documentary right after the first one. Okay, but for the second, we had people 
leave the cast 19 days beforehand just shit like that and especially i think that it would have been better to capture me and heather doing everything for the first time yeah like yeah, now yeah, we yeah. kind of know what the fuck we're doing like we know that yeah. who knew that you could barter with people that like we phoned someone and they were like this is how much our rehearsal room costs and i was like i'll give you 350 for it and they're like okay oh, really? so you like, can try who, haggle who, who knows you can haggle with like professional companies not fucking me yeah i paid full price for a lot of shit yeah and now you now you know now i'm not paying full price for fuck all but no it, it was it was I, I wish we'd have recorded it the first time around or even if we didn't do a documentary i wish we'd have done like some sort of like behind vlog. the scenes but oh like, every single play that i that i've done i always say i should have filmed more but when you're in the moment you can you know you're oh. you're with the cast you're trying to rehearse you're remembering lines and stuff it's just not the right time but i you yeah. know i've got a few from a few years ago and stuff where it's like proper vlog style clips yeah. you know and i'm like this would have been great on on x mm. y and z you know yeah no i wish we would have done it but looking back on it we were two first time playwrights directors and producers that were trying to juggle everything bear in mind we funded it ourselves we didn't have mm -hmm. any funding bodies behind it we knew what the fuck we were doing we were yeah. like we were just winging it like i have got yeah. a couple of behind the scenes snapshots of like us at ikea buying set and painting right. said set but like i wish you'd have seen like me and heather lying on my bed crying at the <laughs> sure like, is it worth me. it is it worth it should we just cancel <laughs> we've got the money that's terrible <laughs> the show went on it was fine yeah, this this show did go on i loved the show it was that I and I didn't realize how well I knew the show until I watched it. Right, that's interesting. Like a few people, like I, I can prompt off book. Like I knew the while we were in rehearsals, like somebody would forget a line and I'd like shout from the middle of the room, like yeah. n without a script in front of me. Well, that just happens when you rehearse so much, you know. The sold out five star play is returning to Webster's Theatre. This is where we get off by Ingram Noble and Heather Spiden follows the Moffat family through some of the most difficult days of their lives. Yvonne is seven months pregnant, her husband Philip is constantly disappearing and leaving dodgy phone bills behind, their 18 year old son Lip is debating joining the army and trying to navigate his love life, and their dog breeding sex toy selling neighbour Rhonda is still doing her weekly shop in their kitchen. How will they cope with the unexpected arrival of an estranged family member? Make sure to get your tickets from the link in the show notes below to see This Is Where We Get Off at the Webster's Theatre on the 11th of February, 2023. But how's how's life? How's like, because we're in this really weird situation of at the moment, we're sort of like, it, it's not a pandemic, but it is. And also as actors, we have to be in, like you have to, we rely on being in rooms and shit. Right. It yeah. sounds really weird. <laughs> Explain what you do in a really weird way. <laughs> I rely on being in rooms. That's true. We were talking about earlier on, actually, about the kind of luxury we have of, of self-tapes, but I don't know about you, but I'm much more of an in-the-room kind of performer. self-tapes. You know, um, I just overthink them and end up start, like, you know, redoing them and worrying about the lighting and the framing and stuff like that, which I guess you need to do, but yeah. at the end of the day, they don't care as much as, as you think they that do. That doesn't know? bother me about self-tapes. The thing that bothers me about self-tapes is if you're doing an in-person audition, you can tell if they're not engaging, you can tell if they're like just hating what you're doing and you can switch it up in the moment but yeah self tips you're just like here's my throw my shit into the wind and let's have a gand uh, let's have a gamble yeah but, but i mean life is good i just finished the run at the, at the fringe which was really good but congratulations. then congratulations thank you and then you know straight after summertime it's almost like every theater production company are going into panto i know and it's like they just you know it's, it's the, i mean I, there's no issue with it because obviously it's such a popular thing it brings in a lot of money it's great for the theaters and stuff like that but especially when that's not really your bag it's like you're looking for these things and they just don't they just don't fall to you you know so i think that's one theater at least should do like a gritty play during the winter because like the, yeah. there's nothing else available other than pantomime yeah that's it and if there are any theaters out there um i'm available for work and so's chris i imagine yeah, absolutely emails in the notes below a gritty christmas play would be lovely. yeah do you know i would like it you, i've really got into um like crime dramas recently and i really think they should do a scottish one there's got to be at least something in the works anyway right well like scotland has, has been do the, we count know, line of duty things. well because yeah, there was or, uh, yeah. I was going to say bodyguard, but that was that wasn't Scottish. It just had Richard Madden in it. Yeah, that's why I'm saying about Line of Duty. It's only got Martin Comstock. <laughs> right. Like, do we count that? Yeah. But no, like I, no, I think one. it would be fucking hilarious. Like, uh, um, what what was it called? It's that TV show called David Tennant and Olivia Coleman? Murder. 
Something yeah. with a B. What the fuck was that called? Hey Siri, see... what was the TV show that Olivia Coleman and David Tennant were in about a murder? Okay. Broadchurch. Broadchurch. I was looking at it as the newer stuff, but I knew it was Broadchurch. Um, could you imagine one of them like set in Glasgow and like the prime suspect is just a Ned <laughs> walking about with a, like a machete and yeah. like a bottle or something? Yeah, an aquascutum cap, a machete, and a bottle of Bucky <laughs> in a full Lacoste trackie. I think that would just be television gold. It would be good, but you did subtitles because people just say the Scottish accent is really difficult to understand. I don't think it is at all, obviously because I grew up here, but um, yeah. I tried to do the kind of neutral Scottish voice. I've never had an issue with it. I no. get more confused by Geordie accents than I do, and I grew up in New... Where are you originally from, Newcastle? So I was. I lived in Glasgow till I was 12, born, born and raised. I'm Scottish. I, I really am, go. I promise. I will show you my birth certificate. Um <laughs> But I, I lived in Newcastle for four years during what I like to call like the time that I grew up. So I kind mm. of just say that I'm from Newcastle. Right. Because I was a kid when I moved there and I sort of came out at like 16 being like, I have an opinion and a Geordie accent now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you'd been if been in Newcastle your whole life or not. And you no, no, no. Um, no, I just, I moved down, parents split up, that whole thing. Like, Really? Okay. Yeah, that's, I just went to school down there and then was like, I fucking hate this. Got you. I'm going back to Glasgow, but I <laughs> somehow picked up some sort of an accent. But I mean, that also shows the sign of an actor, though, and the sign of a performer is you just end up picking up people's accents. It happened to me all the time. I at do drama it all college. the time. It's horrible. And it's the most embarrassing thing. I remember being on a flight. We went to Cambodia on a school trip, and I was on a flight from Kuala Lumpur to Phnom Penh, and it was a Virgin Australia flight. And the mm. guy, the flight attendant, walked around and he's like, Would you like a bottle of water, sir? And I just turned around and went, nah, actually, I'm fine right now, but might be in about 20 minutes. And I was like, why Why am I talking in an Australian accent to this man? And it was just like a reflex of like, because I, I spent like my entire life like copying Isa or Kim Woodburn. Right. Or like trying to like embody like Little Britain sketches or Catherine Tate sketches. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like a thing that I do. And it can be really embarrassing sometimes when you just start talking to somebody and a mimic version of their voice different accent yeah i think you do though get out of practice of it if you haven't if you haven't done it in a while like i, I feel as if i used to be really good at accents but then not having to do an array of accents every week yeah. you know after i graduated i definitely fell off a little bit i had someone on my podcast recently who was like a well well-known impressionist right he was like mm. taking over tiktok just by doing impressions mm. and i had him on the podcast and i really didn't want it to turn into like do this one do that voice, yeah. do that. but that's what it became i was like give me hagrid um, and then at the end of it, I was like, what impressions can I do? And it's like, very little, if not none. I can get myself around with pretty much every UK accent. Okay. Like, I remember I went into an audition and um, I was auditioning for two parts and they had me do an Irish version first. And then they asked me what part of Ireland I was from. And I was like, oh. Newcastle. <laughs> it's like that Ben Still game. Which part of Ireland I, are you from, I, son? I still, didn't, <laughs> I still didn't get the part, actually, which is like, Quite, I think I was too young, actually. I was auditioning for one part, and then I auditioned for part. Oh, nice. I mean, but he's just a great actor, so I, I'm not shocked that I lost out to him. There you go. Yeah, that that's never happened with me. Oh, it has, actually. I had a, an audition for an STV drama thing, and uh, the guy had my CV in front of him, like, holding it and going, looking mm. through all my stuff, and that's always weird, because it's like, what is he looking at? You know, and you have your favourite things on your CV. You're thinking, yeah. oh, please look at that thing. You know, I always say like my best accent would be like American or something like that, right? So he's looking at the accents and he's like, give me a different accent this next take we're doing. And I was like, all right, well, what would you like? And he goes, hmm, let's go Northern. Now, obviously I'm just thinking, you're talking like Scottish, like up yeah. north or whatever, but does he mean Northern English, Northern Irish? Yeah. So instead of, I don't know if this was like because it was a few years ago or whatever, but I just didn't ask. And that's the issue, you know, now you can just, you know, you can ask. And I would just whatever. be like Northern where? Can you can you clarify? Because there's nothing wrong with having that dialogue, right? Yeah. Um, so I just went for it, whatever Northern meant, and whatever came out must have been like Swedish or something because I didn't <laughs> I didn't get the part. I mean, it obviously. is north. It is no, north. It's not. You, you went true. you went wrong. That's true. And then also we asked me to do it without my glasses on, um, which is fine because I can wear contacts and stuff like that. But just that day, I think the the character brief was something about it was quite geeky or nerdy. So I wore my glasses, right? I don't yeah. know why it's just a character choice. Um, and then he asked me to take the glasses off. And is I that think, you reinforcing stereotypes? Uh, it is indeed, yes. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I just thought it'd be smart to do that. Yeah. And uh, I took the glasses off and then I just realised, oh yeah, you need glasses. You can't read this script in front of you. Um, so I just kind of 
I, w- I wear glasses. Like I can't see far away. Um, yeah, same, same here. It's getting worse. Getting slightly worse. But I'm allergic time. to contact lenses in one eye. You're allergic to them. What in one eye? This eye yeah. is absolutely fine, and I can see. I can put contact lens in it. This one, I'm allergic. It, you know, it took me like it took me like five or six years to really feel comfortable and you know confident putting contact lenses in my eye. Um, I can do it now, no bother. Yeah. But before it took me ages to do it. But it does help. I was going to go for like laser treatment at some point, but it's just so expensive. I'm too scared you know of going I mean? blind. What if they slip? That's what. It, what know. if they slip? I know. What I do like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting, and what was your first ever role? We don't. We love a good nativity story. Doesn't have to be a professional role. Anything you want. Yeah, how did I get started? I think it's just always been, you know, something that I've done since a very young age. Um, I used to watch a lot of, like, stand-up comedians before, you know, I was of age to watch stand-up comedians. Yeah. I didn't understand what, like, swearing was and jokes <laughs> at that, but I just, I just found the fact that, like, everybody else was laughing so much. Yeah. It must be good, you know. Um, my kind of main inspiration was Rowan Atkinson, um, and he did this one-man show before, you know, Blackadder and Mr. Bean and yeah. all that stuff. He did this one-man show, and it was it wasn't stand-up it was like sketches and sketches that he'd written um it's just him and maybe one other guy being a narrator or whatever and uh, it was kind of like the early days of youtube where i kind of found that and i just honestly like studied it and you know would would perform these rowan atkinson skits for like my family members and stuff you know and clearly these people (laughs) and my family weren't as interested in it as i was (laughs) Um, but I was like, you're going to sit there, you're going to enjoy this. You're going to the Moffat gonna... family are not Mr. Bean stands, obviously. They probably would be, but I think I kind of ruined it for them a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, but there's plenty of you know skits that he did that I learned off by heart so much so that I could probably still do them. Um, and one time in in class at drama school, I did a whole monologue from Ron Atkinson before as well, like in camera class, and it just so happened that Fran, who I'm sure you know quite well. Yes. Uh, also knew the, the the sketch and he like ended up helping me with it so that was that was a weird moment but yeah that's I just did, kind of how I started you know I did two of the weirdest monologues for Fran I've ever done in my life yeah so one was like I don't know if it was the same when you were there we had to do like a, a an on what the fuck is that word typecast like our Ooh. type like we had to do one that was our type and I chose to ignore that just direction and did Frank Gallagher from Shameless I did the opening <laughs> monologue um, which was terrible I still have the video and then we had to do one that was completely opposite to our type. And I did Doc Cotton from oh, right. East End. And I'm not going to lie, I think it's the best acting performance of my life. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm impressed. I would give me the job if I was yeah. an eight-year-old woman. Push, the- <laughs> Push those boundaries, you know. That was that was one woman when she died. I was very sad that June Brown died. Yeah, that's a shame. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Yeah, but what was your first ever role role? My first role role, I did a few things in primary school where I was like in, you know, as you say, the nativity and stuff like that. And you would do, I would host like a Christmas play or whatever. But like the first show that I did mm. was Hairspray um, in school. Love that. And, and I was one of the nicest kids in town. But um, did you have enough um, diversity to do Hairspray or were you a school that challenged mm. that? We had one person of colour. Wow, and here and here, spray absolutely. So and they played Connie Collins. They played. <laughs> they didn't actually. They didn't even play seaweed. <laughs> oh. I don't know why. I think they were just younger. But anyway, yeah, that was the first one I did. But this is before I was really like confident and decided. Okay, I want to be an yeah. actor, like you know, professionally. Who did you play in Hairspray? I was a Fender, which is one of the nicest kids in town. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it was. Um. I can't dance. I can't sing. But I definitely tried. But then the next year. I ended up being the lead in the school show, which was the Adams family. Um, mm. And I played Gomez Adams, and that also required singing and dancing, which I couldn't do very well either. But I tried, it was a different Are type of thing. Are we the same it? person? <laughs> it was one of those one of those shows that you could kind of speak your way through it, you yeah. know, and that kind of like helped me through auditions later in life too. Whereas, like, I know I'm not a strong singer, but you can definitely, I mean, everybody's the same. They can definitely find songs that work for them. So I've gone into plenty of auditions. I, I cannot. You can. I bet you can find one. I bet you can find one. I thought I did and then got like was asked why I sang a sex offenders song. So now well, I just like I'd literally the day after that, I just signed with my agent. I phoned her and was like, never I'm not singing. Like, do never yeah, don't put me never send me for anything that involves an iota of singing. Mm. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I mean, if you're not comfortable with it, you don't want to be put in that situation. Oh, I've had like three or four breakdowns over the course of the year at drama school because yeah. of singing. So first of all, like, did you, do you know, is she called it Ali? 
Ali, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we had to send her self-tape of us singing right at the beginning of the year. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? I did the Friends theme tune and oh, yeah. um, sent her a lovely little video that she um, openly laughed at. Like, we laughed together. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I was, it wasn't like she was crushing my dreams or anything. Then we had to sing another song and I had a mental breakdown in the class. Iona was present, asked her about it, okay. cried and got excused from the singing classes because... I had a full-blown panic attack. Nice. And then Amanda wanted us to sing in Vanity Fair at the opening. She did. Listen, the song was great, actually. It was I fucking lip-synced it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, fully, like, Fraser had to come and get me out of the toilets because I was, like, in hysterically crying. I, yeah. like, I did not sign oh up gosh. for this shit. Yeah, it's not really my thing, too. Anyway, auditions-wise, I've definitely picked up a few that I can do. And the one that I've tried the most is You're Welcome from Moana, sang by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, and because you, you look very alike. Listen, here's my uh, here's my body double. You know, <laughs> if you need anyone, you know, for one of his films, I've got the tattoos. Um, but yeah, so actually, I joined the gym today, <laughs> so maybe I'll get to that. I've never been in a gym in my life. No, it was it was. I'm going to be sore tomorrow. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's basically me. I'm I'm not you know the best singer, but I'll definitely find my way through it. And you mentioned Ali; she actually really did help me with a lot of songs and stuff like that. Um. Ended up doing the the Jungle Book, the Bare Necessities. That was a good one in class. Um, I was going to but... do um, Last Night by Lucy Spragan. Oh yeah, and I shit myself and was like, no, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> Literally I remember, in the class. I was sat next to Sam McGowan and I was like shaking, like properly. Mm. Like I've never felt fear like that. And don't get me wrong, listen, I'm a person that I've got several monologues in my back pocket. You could walk out to me and say. I've got 500 people that need entertained for five minutes. Like, can you just do something? No problem. Mm-hmm. N- like, no, go out there and sing for them. Nah, nah. Yeah. You're on your own, mate. Like. Yeah, it's tricky. It's, it's not tricky. for me. But talking about um, drama school, great segue. It's like I planned it. Um, one of my favorite things in life are funny or crazy drama school stories do you have a story that you can share with us i have i've loads i feel like when you when you text me about doing this i was like oh my god like which i mean it's so funny but it's so you know pivotal in your life when you're there all the time you feel like there's something happening all the time yeah you know what i mean you feel like oh this is the next story whatever but then when Mm. you look back you go geez like you really had to be there you know um oh yeah there's hundreds but there are also the ones where it's like they should have been arrested for that (laughs) like fully Like they should have a criminal record. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean wasn't as extreme as that, but yeah. Um, I don't have like a really sort of shocking story, but I did on like the very last day of drama college, we were allowed to kind of we were given the range just to kind of put on a show, um, for other like people that were there, other students, younger yeah. students, people who just started, MTs, things like that. Um, who were in the Park Street Theater, and it was like you can do monologues if you want, you can do songs. You just you know give us. A I wish we could have done that. For like an hour or something. It was like the very my very last day there. Um, we had a mock we all... audition with Play Pine a Pint. <laughs> Listen, vital. I, I mean, it was good. She didn't reply to my email I sent her after, but you know what? Yeah. We live and we learn. We I, wish we learn. Could have, I wish we could have done that. I mean, you guys were different though because of COVID, right? You guys had a kind of tricky time. We were never massively affected. We were affected more by the threat of COVID. Okay, got you. Yeah. So it was more like, are we going to get to do our showcase because it's happening in the middle of right. the Omicron variant? Uh, right, what... right, 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 right. What none of us are understudied in Vanity Fair. What happens if one of us gets COVID? Yeah, it's just a risk, right? Like, I never think anything. I, I may be lying. Um, I don't think anything was ever like massively impacted by COVID. We were more impacted by the threat of what would happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. And you joined a little bit later then, because I'm thinking of like Fraser and yeah, I. Yeah, I only did they, the they BA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I never did it online. All like, the Zoom stuff. That. Yeah. yeah imagine tricky. doing a fucking movement class on Zoom. I heard it was tricky. I heard it was tricky. I dropped out of my first drama school like two months beforehand. Um, I dropped out in the January. We went into lockdown in the March. And I was like, no, I'm so glad. Like I was talking to my mates that were like, we're doing a production on Zoom. Yeah. But this was before like life even got to the point where it was okay for people to be in a room, but not an audience. Mm-hmm. Like they were like multi-camming Zoom with green screens and shit. But right. listen. They all got given cameras, professional cameras and professional green screens. It's like I should have stayed on. Absolutely. I dropped yeah. out. It was like Panto's like on Zoom. Like Panto is they an did. audience-driven show. Yeah, know? they didn't do Panto, but they I can't remember. They did a serious play about the government. All right. 
Fair enough. But I was like, I'm kind of glad I'm not there. But yeah, like I've I've never been massive. I've always just been impacted by the threat of COVID. Not... Always having that worry there. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, but in, in this show that we did, you know, um, was 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 a lot of fun. There was a scene that my myself and a friend Ross Donicky uh, wanted to do called "A Behanding in Spokane." Written by Martin McDonough, who also wrote In Bruges and yeah. Three Handed Three Billboards. That, that film I don't know. That <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Um, yeah, so we did it just like this random scene that no one had ever really seen before. We just decided yeah. we were going to rehearse this, and then we ended up it was like about like a, a hand that gets chopped off. So we went to the shop and bought like a fake hand for it and stuff like that. So is that where that hand came from? Yes, I bought that hand. I bought that hand. I bought a fucking cane for Vanity Fair and it went missing and came back broken. And oh, they used go. it in a fucking prop. They'd used it in one of the other shows. Oh. I was like, not fun. That was mine. Yeah. I was like, yeah, my money. Yeah. So we, we did things like that. And then uh, there was like a dirty dancing scene where we did the whole thing where like Jack and Craig did the whole jumping thing and, and people were cheering. I've got a video of that. Craig is, is in Craig McLean. Craig McLean. Yeah. Pod. Yeah. Friend of the pod, um, and yeah, I don't know if it was the opening scene we did for this show or the last scene, but we ended up deciding for some reason to do uh, a Magic Mike style dance, um, and we had a chair. Now that's in the something I'd have paid to see. This is this is in Park Street, which I'm sure you know really well. Yeah, and it's you know all ground level, the stage and the yeah. seats go up the way, you know. Mm. Um, so and it's actually quite a lot of seats, and it was quite packed with all the different you know students and stuff. I think it holds yeah. like. Over two hundred, anyway. No, it's a, it's a big fucking theater. I was yeah, looking absolutely at booking it out, but the stage isn't wide enough for me. Oh, really? Okay, sorry. <laughs> need, a, need a wider stage. It's not that. It's the set for you came to see this is where we get off. The two yeah. flats are too long, and we need the uh, space in the middle. So yeah. we don't need a deep stage. We just need a wide stage. Oh, got you. So that's that's, that's the brief you send out to all the theaters. <laughs> no, it's not even that. But the first question I have to ask is how wide is your stage? I think we need something like twenty feet. But yeah, we did a magic mate dance. Uh, we had the whole music, the lights were down and stuff like that. We had our friends from the class were in the front row. We got one of them up, Dion, very talented actor, friend of my podcast as well. Dion Frati, uh, got her up, got her on the chair. All of us were like stripping round her and stuff like that. Did you so, actually strip? Pretty much, yeah. I had I had the unbuttoned shirt and stuff like that, yeah, and it was all coming off. And it's just something I never thought. I remember thinking, I'm so glad this is my last day here because like yeah. I'd, I'd never thought I'd see myself doing that. Then straight after that, we went out and played football. It was like students versus the staff and only like two members of staff played. I think it was Monty and Jake. Um, Monty, what a player. Um, and then we went to the pub and we all we all had we had drinks and Tony Kelly did karaoke. It was a, a wild day and it was it was really, really good. The last thing that I want to ask you about drama school is what was the biggest lesson you learned at drama school? Oh, that is a good point. Um I don't know, I guess it's more about just kind of trusting yourself and not being afraid to just go for stuff. Yeah. You know, like I was very much especially when I started, I was like, Oh, I can't you know, I would say to myself, I can't do that and just, you know, won't, won't, it won't work. But, like, I was always told that, you know, I was very, you know, loud and, you know, big with my mm. mannerisms and things like that. I was quite an animated performer and still am. Um, but it wasn't until I did a, a workshop with with a BBC company that came in um, and we were doing these camera scenes and you kind of, the camera was right close up to your face and stuff and you kind of had to rein yourself yeah. in a little bit. And it wasn't until doing those ones where, you know, the lecturers, you know, the directors that were in and stuff like that were saying, oh, no, you, you know, you're not bad at doing more subtle stuff as well. And it was, I guess you just need to hear all these things um, from a few people to kind of go, all right, okay, maybe, you know, they know better than me, you know? Um, yeah. And it's just just about trusting yourself and not worrying what everybody's going to think about it. It's, you're never going to know until you try. So that's always when I, when I speak to people as well who are maybe just starting, whether it's the same place that I went to yeah. or another drama school. It's just, you know, have fun. Make sure you're there and enjoy it. I feel like we should shout them out. New College Lanarkshire, because I, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. I think that what they do is great. And I think that the like when the shit's just good. The the level of professionalism, no, yeah. that's not the word. The standard. The standard. The standard of how professional all the shit is is really good. And I, I would ten out of ten recommend. What I liked about NCLAN is that all these people who are teaching you are like also actors. You know what I mean? Like people always say, oh, I've said that not, so many times. It's not the RCS. It's not going to provide you with as many opportunities. But at the same time, you're learning from people who maybe had an audition the day before. You know, and I just thought that was invaluable. And they have like this massive audition and rep module, which I don't think the RCS have. And like I met, so I had a fucking audition with the fucking artistic director of the Bard and the Botanic as a nobody actor. Who the fuck yeah. gets that opportunity? And that was set up through them. It's definitely the, the best part of that course, I think, because of the connections that you make. Mm. You know, like I, I remember having one with. Cora Bissett from the National Theatre and yeah. had such a good time in the audition she gave me her bank card and told to me to go buy her a coffee and I was like yeah sure <laughs> I, I'd, have, I'd have ran away 
Please don't lose Cora Message Bank. I'd be like, I'm going, I'm going shopping, Cora. We're gonna play a game now. It's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. This game is my favorite thing in the world. It's three stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and have been submitted by listeners. One of them is a big fat lie, and I've got the answer in a sealed envelope here. And huh. these, I, I don't know what Heather was thinking. I don't know if it's a vibe that I'm giving off quite recently. That some of them are sexual, two of them are sexual, and All one right. of them is about drugs. So maybe that's just where I'm at in my life. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe you heard that I was coming on, you know. <laughs> Number one, I slept with a guy on my first night of drama school freshers who, st- in in air quotes, stole my nose like you would with a child. Open brackets, thumb between your knuckles. Close brackets. He then, in air quotes, gave it back when he finished. Honestly, it was an awkward three years after that. Number two. I went out one night before an audition and I was taken in by peer pressure and I took some acid and it didn't wear off by the time I had to go to the audition. But it was a big opportunity and I had to go. At the audition, two girls were talking Gaelic and I'd convinced myself that I'd forgotten how to understand English and I just sat in the corner of the room and cried. Number three... I stole some handcuffs from the prop cupboard in the drama school department and decided to test them out on my girlfriend. The key snapped trying to get them off and she was left handcuffed to the bedposts. I panicked and had to get the student accommodation security guard to help me. He ended up sawing through them. I really hope number one's the lie. Could you imagine having sex with someone and them being like, got your nose? I can't imagine that, but I can imagine it happening within drama school because that's what actors do i guess that was something that i would i wouldn't put it past a performer to do that um the second one with the acid though that's true that's got to be true because like if you were i've never done drugs in my life and don't endorse it but if i've you never to do done that, acid yeah okay well me neither but like <laughs> w- would that be the sort of thing when you hear uh, you or you said well, gaelic imagine, is it gaelic or gallic oh well i don't know it's yeah. well it's spelled g-a-e-l-i-c okay i think it might be gallic which is a scottish yeah. language gaelic is irish is that right um, so I think if it is the Scottish beautiful language of, of Gaelic, if you had taken something and you heard someone speaking like that, maybe you would be thinking, okay, where am I? <laughs> yeah, I've tripped. Like, I'm yeah. tripping the fuck out. <laughs> the yeah. handcuffs one, I'm I'm slightly... What, um, what drama school has handcuffs that aren't snappable in their props cupboard? Is That's what I'm true. Thinking. Were they, like, fluffy or, like... With the I don't know, handcuffs. but my first thought would be, can I snap these handcuffs? Because <laughs> right. not that I'm talking from experience, the little chain link ones, all you've got to do mm. is twist them links a couple of times and they snap. Okay. And then yeah, you can I... get dressed and be like, she's got a new bracelet, help her get it off. Okay, nice. Yeah. But yeah. That's I also what thought, I would though, do. I thought the bit about the student accommodation, though, was quite specific, you know? Yeah. Number two's real. I, I 110% believe it. I don't know. I'm I'm probably going to go towards the first one being a lie. Um, yeah, that's what I'm so, thinking. Because of the actual like physical act of doing it, but at the same time, I would not, not be knows. surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be if it's an act of doing it. You know, I've heard of much worse. You know. <laughs> oh right, I'm going for number one. What are you going for? You don't have. Yeah, to let, let's go for it. Should Should I go for something different? Would I make it more interesting? Or I don't know. It's up to you. Just go I'll go number one. one. That's my that's, that's where my gut's in. Or my that's where my nose is in. <laughs> Fuck's sake, number two. Oh, number two. So nobody got, nobody was tripping. Maybe they did just hear the Gaelic and just thought, I'm definitely the wrong edition. <laughs> I would panic. I'd be like, well, I can't speak Gaelic. Why, why am I? Why am I here? Um, I know I, eight words in Gaelic through my work, and that's all I'd know. <laughs> well, I, I'd know zero, so I would, <laughs> I would be panicking. Um, so you mentioned it before. You've just done um a trip to Edinburgh Fringe in Home hmm. Rising. And um, what was the audition process like for you for the Fringe? Uh, the audition actually was, I was actually very lucky because uh, it was originally a part that someone was unable to do. Um, Fun. And yeah, so someone in the same agency as me, uh, Luke Rowe, great, very talented actor, um, also a member of Bridges the Actors Agency, shout out to the team. Luke sent me a DM and was basically saying, look, we've got this thing. Um, someone's dropped out. It's for the part of Judas in this play um, about Jesus. Yeah. Um, he has long hair and a beard and depicts, you know, Jesus very well. Um, around Easter time and Christmas time every year, he ends up playing this uh, great role. Um, 
but unfortunately he's, he's moving to Australia actually so he's actually going to be unable to play at this next year but still um what is it with everyone moving to fucking Australia I know <laughs> oh, like no. six people that are moving and I'm like am I missing some I mean I know Maybe the UK is in an absolute shit show right now yeah but like what are we missing I don't know it just seems a lot more calm over there I don't know I don't know I don't know like but I feel like I'm like the last to know about this like mass exodus of the UK. Yeah. Maybe we should go. Maybe we should go. Right, let's go. <laughs> let's go right now. Um, yeah, so Luke just DM me and said we need someone to play Judas. And that sounded really interesting because I've never really played like a villain before. Um, yeah. I was going to say, how that... does it feel to be like, you could play Judas, who's was, is like obviously a massive dick. <laughs> I'm like, I, I would be kind of like, yes, I'll have the job. But also, yeah. it's nice to know what you think of me. Yeah. I, I took it more as like a trying to help out your pal thing, not yeah. so much like you would play Judas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun actually. Yeah, it was a kind of immersive piece as well. It was in this massive church, um, which was really challenging, just with the acoustics and stuff like that. Um, and it was supposed to be in the round where the audience was just gonna walk around and you just did your thing wherever you were and they would come and see you, um, which was which was a lot of fun. I actually did that before at Cumberland Old Theatre um with a, a version of Romeo and Juliet. Um but that Are was you playing a- Romeo and Juliet. I was uh, I was Friar Lawrence in Romeo and Juliet. And there's two parts, yeah. two Shakespeare parts. I had three. I've ticked one of them off. I want to play um, Tibble and I want to play Friar Lawrence. Yeah, nice. It, it was fun. I, I found it really difficult. I'm not great at Shakespeare, but it was definitely, I learned so much from it. And it was a total immersive theatre piece where they transformed yeah. the entire Common Old Theatre, which has since now been done up and it's beautiful now. But back then, I guess it was maybe getting ready to get... Yeah. Moved torn down um so they totally revamped the theater and it was like i totally walk around the theater going to different rooms and there was stuff going on Love that. so that that was good but the one i did at the fringe was a little bit lesser and it was just in the one room in this big church um and it was a lot of fun so it was more so about the rehearsal process that i kind of learned more yeah i didn't really have an audition but the rehearsal process we could have done with a few extra days um, but I think a lot of fringe shows are like that. You know, like, it's all about not even just fringe that. shows. Everybody needs two more days. Yeah, everyone absolutely. needs an extra hour. Did you steal anything from the set? I love stealing shit from set. I stole from Vanity Fair. Uh, no, I don't think I did actually. Um, I like wee souvenirs and stuff like that, but I don't. I definitely didn't steal anything. I don't think. Maybe I did. I, I took to from Vanity Fair. I took the little book that I had at the beginning. Oh yeah, which was like her leaving present. And I took a handful of the gold coins. Oh, yeah, nice. That so, Amanda, fun. if you're looking for those gold coins, I have them and you're not you'd getting them back. Them. You'd you'd spend them back. <laughs> they went right yeah, in my memory fun. box. Um, but what was it like doing the fringe? Like, because it's mental. I auditioned for the fringe a couple of times and it just didn't work financially for me. So, I was like, mm. I'll bow out. Um, best yeah. of luck. I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but it wasn't a long run. I I, I didn't do a whole, you know, month-long run like a lot of people do, whereas you maybe need to consider like accommodation and stuff like that. We only did a few shows, um, but it was nice to be a part of it. There is a definitely buzz about Edinburgh at that time. um, And you just know that they're, you know, surrounded by theatre and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's always fun. And it was different knowing that I was walking around going to perform rather than being the audience member yeah. you know but um then once you get into show mode you know you're just kind of like zoned in you kind of forget about the outside um but then just the nature of the play as i say it was like immersive so you were kind of eye to eye with a lot of the audience members and seeing like your girlfriend there or your mum and dad and your sister and stuff it was a bit like oh yeah we are performing at the fringe here you know so <laughs> yeah um yeah some bucket list stuff you know you, you go and see stuff at the fringe all your life and then getting to see you've done it was 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 really cool I saw um, what's it called? Ode to Joy by James Lay, friend of the pod. Sean Connor was in it, and it was it was an experience. It was a great experience, cool. but it was a mad show. It was a fucking mad show, all about kinky sex. And oh. I was like, I only went to see it because it was like Sean, friend of the pod, and I came out of it and I was like, oh, that was actually really good. Let me email the director and be like, hey, I'm available. <laughs> um, I do that after every show, so. Absolutely. It's not a new thing. But no, it was it was a great show. Um I, I'm not a fan of the fringe, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a fan of Edinburgh in general. Bit touristy. But a fun question that I like to ask everyone is if I came to you tomorrow and was like, listen, I want to do a two-hander, but I don't know who I want to be your scene partner or your play partner, and you could pick anyone in the world, but they have to be alive, who are you picking? I think I'm picking Rowan Atkinson. Um I don't think he's, he's been said yet either, so he's definitely available. He's <laughs> good. I'm I'm glad. Um because, you know, it, it was more about me growing up and, and falling in love with performing. And that's why, you know, I like him yeah. so much. But at the same time, he just put out that Man vs. B on Netflix. I haven't seen it is, yet. 
absolutely ridiculous. It's total slapstick. It's total, you know, family, you know, comedy. So I'm like, all right, okay, it's going to be another one of these shows. I put it on and it still holds up. It's a silly physical comedy. Someone walking into something, someone dropping something and it lands on their foot and it's like this funny reaction. Wee things like that always makes me laugh. So I guess it is... Ronexon or someone like Jim Carrey or, or, or Steve Martin or someone like the, the funniest people that ever exist. You know, I'd love to do a scene mm. with them, I guess. I have to carry on my campaign and it's starting to feel a bit personal now, Catherine Tate. I've mm-hmm. um, been calling you out for over 100 episodes now and uh, we still haven't done a two-hander in the West End. Um, starting to feel very personal. Um, but please just come on the podcast. Yeah, mine's yeah, Catherine and- Tate. And we know you're listening, you know, so yeah, please I know that every week you're listening to the and I'm your yeah. favorite podcast. Like it's who else are you listening to? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Genuinely, like Catherine Tate would make me look like a piece of shit and I'm fully <laughs> at peace with it. Like I'm fully at, like I'm ready for it to happen. Um, yeah. But I want to talk to you about the Good Bit podcast now. How how did you get started in podcasting? Oh, man. Um, I started podcasting in like 2011. 2012. Yeah, you're, you're an OG podcaster. Yeah. I, I, I was on a website called Blog Talk Radio, like right at the start of like when that became a thing. Um, wow. And when like I, when the iPod Are we the same age? Me, I was born in 97. You're, you're older than me. Oh. Uh, um, I, I mean, I was far not, too young. Not to that be my grey heads would fucking i would never know no oh i would never know um i just i need to diet but yeah like that's that's quite so 2011 like so you were like what 14 yeah um and i had this show about about wwe about professional wrestling and uh, i had a lot of my wrestling friends they would call in via skype um and we would do a podcast about current events and wwe and that was my that was my first podcast and then it just Became this. I used to call it a radio show. And it was definitely. A radio I was show just going to say you need you need sound like you need to have like uh, like Clyde FM get in touch. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so that that was a big thing. But then, like, you know, when when the iPod Touch was a thing and the iPhone came out and they put podcast as an app on the uh. iPod or on the iPhone, it became a thing that people knew. Yeah. About. Um, that's when I started listening to a lot of podcasts. Some of my heroes and favorite like actors and wrestlers and things like that ended up having their own podcasts and um yeah i started one in 2015 called by the way um and it was me and my childhood best friend and we just kind of it was exactly what any podcast with two best friends would be there was about nothing it was just a general chat nobody listened um but it was the you know the fun of doing you know that's when i kind of fell in love with doing the podcast you know that's the thing that i discovered when i first started so i I've gone through all of these phases. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a YouTuber. And the numbers didn't happen immediately for me. So when I decided to do the podcast, like the one piece of advice that I'll give anyone, when you start out, you do not need to worry about those numbers. Create content for you. Create content that you're happy with. And the success will actually follow. I didn't actually start looking at my listenership until about episode 45. Yeah, absolutely. Don't don't get me wrong. I got emails to be like, you're charting in Slovakia. (laughs) <laughs> and I'd be like, cool as fuck, but I don't want to know how many people. And people would ask, and I've turned down a few guests that said, well, we can't sign on to this until you tell mm-hmm. us how many people listen. And I was like, that's not the MO of the show. Absolutely. And it's done their business. You know what I mean? Um, now I tell everyone. To... Now everybody right. that gets an invitation gets one. But right. like at the time, it wasn't even, I didn't even know. I didn't want to listen because I, if it was shit, I'd have been disheartened and I'd have stopped. Mm. And if it was really good, it might have affected the podcast in a negative way. I might have got above my boots because I'm very quite known to do that. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I do like it when you get comments and stuff and, and tweets from people and it's like, hello from Chile or hello mm. from, you know what I mean? And it's like, what? <laughs> I got you know? stopped on the street once and it was the weirdest experience of my life. I was sat outside the Nike shop. I was going to do the, this is where we get off documentary. And um, I took some stuff back and I was, I think I was, I was smoking a fag is what I was doing. And somebody came up and was like, are you Ingram Noble? And I was like, yeah, what the fuck have I done? She was like, I listen yeah. to your podcast every week. I really love it. Nice. And I was like, nice. I am famous yeah that's weird though when you hear that for the first time i had someone i used to go to school with who i hadn't seen in years come up to me at like a night out or something like that and he was like chris you talk me to sleep every night and i was just like is that weird is that because i listen to podcasts to go to sleep so i I took it as like a compliment but then at the same time i was like hang on a minute (laughs) i I think it's it's weird and because when we listen to podcasts like i'm not putting us down or anything like i listen to podcasts by famous people Right, right, right. So I'm listening to listening to like multi sold out tours seller Chris Ramsey. 
following yeah. us. He's used to fame. When people are like, my mum said it to me not long ago. She was like, I often fall asleep to you listen, listening to your podcast. And I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, it's strange. I'm a nobody. Strange. Like, yeah. back up. Yeah. But you never know. You're not a nobody to everybody. You know? No, I am. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't even, even tell you about the good bit. Yeah, so that started when I was at um, drama college and me and my mate Aaron Dockard, very talented actor. Uh, we both got Cineworld cards and we decided we were going to go to the cinema every week. We weren't going to discuss the film until we had a microphone in front of us and we said we're going to start a podcast. We were actually in a very famous club in Glasgow called the Polo Lounge um, and we were sitting on, they've got this lovely bit upstairs before you go to the kind of dance bit where there's like thrones. Yeah. And we were sitting on these thrones with like, I don't know, cocktails or whatever. We were just discussing the idea. What could this podcast be? And then we came up with that idea. So we'd go to the, the cinema every week. We'd then reconvene at NCLAN at Drama College before the costume cupboard became a costume cupboard. It was a recording studio. Um, wow. And that's where we recorded. And the other first couple of episodes, we had the recurring guest every time, whether it be someone in our class, a lecturer, someone that we knew in the industry. And that just became a thing. Um, that was in 2016. Um, Aaron then moved to London to go to Rose Bruford College, left me high and dry. Um, so I just became a travelling host. And then ever since then, I've been going around people and getting different guests on all the time. But it, it's not the same kind of format now as it always has been. Um, now, when I'm speaking to a fellow actor or whatever, I get I say, you know, what's your favourite film or one that you love? Yeah. A lot because I'm such I'm so passionate about movies and I love watching films and I like to know all about movies and how they're made and the history yeah. of them and stuff like that. What's your so, favorite film? Jaws is my favorite film or Star Wars would be my favorite film. I've seen all of the Star Wars. Nice. I'm yeah. Not seen Jaws. No. Um. And and you know Back to the Future's up there. Um. Airplane. Uh. Home Alone. These are my favorite. Oh. Films. A few good ones in there. Yeah, yeah. I love um, Home Alone. But yeah, so I just, I just would try and get people to, you know, when it, my selling point is like it's actors talking about their favorite films. Yeah. Not about themselves. Um, and I think everybody that's a universal love, you know. Um, and you know, it's only been the past year or two where it's really taken off, and like I'm getting people on that as we were talking about earlier. Um, on maybe another podcast that we're not going to. Yes, mention. it's linked um, down in the show notes below. Yeah, thank you. Um, that we you were could, chatting about. Actually, for anybody that's listening to Drama School Dropout and has listened for concurrently, if you go and watch the Good Bit podcast that I'm on, what episode number is it? 105, I believe. Unsubscribed uh, on podcast. 105, so can, 105. So this will be a, So if you go and watch episode 105 of the Good Bit podcast, you can see how I record because nobody sees the video for this. There you go. Yeah. So we're behind, behind the, scenes. the scenes for for Dropout. Um. But yeah, like, and I have a confession to make to you about your podcast. Yeah. I only recently understood the name of it. What do you mean? For the longest time, I was like, why is he called it the Good Bit Podcast? And then I realized, ah, because they talk about the good bits of the film. <laughs> and a... I felt like a fucking idiot. <laughs> the good bit of the films. Yeah. You know, the original name was uh, Royale with Cheese, which is a line from Pulp Fiction. Um, I've seen and Pulp Fiction. There's one you have to go on. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it, we wanted to be about movies. We just had this random movie quote and I just yeah. thought it didn't work. So then it became the good bits coming up and that just was a bit of a mouthful. So we shortened it to the good bit. Although the, the best uh, podcast name that I, that never was, was uh, hosted by Ian Greve and Gregor Duncan, two people we know very well. And yeah. they, they, they had the podcast, The Rap Chat. And before The Rap Chat, it was originally going to be called Yippie Ki Yay Movie Lovers. Which is that's a, great. Which is a a play on the quote from Die Hard, which is "Yippee ki motherfucker," and she's the two movie lovers. That is great. I, I thought it was genius. I when I was doing reality TV on record, I didn't want to call it reality TV on record. I wanted it to be called uh, "You Are Live." Please do not swear, because big brother. Nice. And then nice. I realised that there's a podcast called that. I, I'm very late really. to these games, and I was like, <laughs> uh, but then I, I thought reality TV on record. I like a bit of alliteration. That's what I've absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's what I've show. discovered. Like drama school dropout, reality TV on record, like easy yeah. to say things. But yeah, I didn't understand what the good bit was until like I want to say like a week ago. Well, there you go. And it was like a eureka moment. I went, ah, I yeah, the that best bits of the lot, movies. That, I don't like. That I don't like being negative about stuff, you know. So it's like I'm, I'm a very positive person. So it's like we will talk about you know things we didn't like. Of course we will. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a review. But it's like, you know, what did you genuinely, you know, what did you take so from I really put like you to the test on episode 105. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I asked Ingram to pick a film and he chose. Well, actually, we won't, we won't leave that in. Go and see what film I chose. It's a there random fashion, not fashion, random Y2K movie 
that not many people will know of, but it stars Hilary Duff. Um, it's all linked down in the show notes. You can go and listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere else that you can get good podcasts. And you can watch it on YouTube and you can look at My Ugly Mug for however long it's on. It's really good. And um, I should have picked another film more than likely. No, don't be daft. <laughs> don't be daft. If you, if, if you want to know what Ingram's favourite film is, you know, it's this, uh, it's going to be trivia one of these days, you know, so you need to go and yeah, see it, you know. That, I can't wait until Jeremy Clarkson's asking that on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Like, that's <laughs> that's going to be fun. Who is, who's been your favourite guest? Oh, I don't know. This is where, like, my friends start, you know, chiming in and going, why wasn't it me? No, you're um, right. We're bullshitting this out, putting this out there right now. Listen, as podcast hosts, we've all had our friends on it. We all yep. love to talk to our friends. But fuck that, right? Because I can phone any of my friends anytime I want. Who has yeah. been your favourite guest? My favourite guest is probably... Uh, oh, it's either between Stephen Purden, uh, who's Who a very famous used to live actor. just across the road from me. Oh, really? What yeah. a lovely guy. And I'll tell you why he was my favourite. Because, um, again, he's a, he's, a, he's a name, you know, in, yeah. in this country. Um, I... You know, seen him so many times live in Panto and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Again, we support the same football team. So it was like something we could break the ace about. Um, so we were talking about that. And then just in the podcast, he was so like inclusive about me also being an actor. And I don't yeah. want to put him on a level above me. Of course mm. he is. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't want to be that like that. But like, he, he was the whole episode, he's like, you know, guys like me and you, guys that we understand. Yeah. And he really made me feel like his pal. So I guess the best experience. Was would probably be Stephen Purton. Um, I'm probably forgetting a few big ones, but uh, I mentioned to you as well. Uh, my favorite kids show growing up was a yes. show called Keenan and Kel, and uh, the mum from Keenan and Kel played Cheryl Rockmore. Teal Marchand came on the podcast, and she was so nice, and she's all about like trying to make sure that the the video looked good for me and the you know the sound was really good. And she just was such a blether. And those are the easiest ones, you know, when it's just yeah. like you don't mind, you know, that you don't have to pull for questions and stuff like that. It's just a nice conversation. But obviously I do love chatting to my friends. I've had a lot of people tell me my best episodes are the ones with my friends. Some of my because... highest rated views are ones with right? my friends. Because people because, do, I love you know, a conversation. I love a podcast where it just sounds like you're listening in on a conversation. That's what it, that's what it should be, you know? Um, mm. um, And I don't know if it's just because it's the, the informal kind of like, it sounds like we're catching up. Yeah. But um. Yeah, so I've had a bunch of good ones. I'm just looking now. Even, you know, oh, here, here's a good one, actually. Um, A guy called Chad Arms, who is a rapper from Tennessee. Yes, I remember seeing this. Yeah, he uh, he got in contact with me years ago through my YouTube channel, um, which is CM at 42 TV. As we Linked in the show well. notes below. That pays the bills. Um, He he did, did videos about movies back in the day, so did I. We ended up, you know, connecting mm. through that, and it was, you know, years in the making, and we finally, you know, did the episode together and it was just strange because it was you know you know yourself speaking to people from america and stuff total other side of the world different time zone but you're both kind of there in the moment and that was a really good one too that was and it's that's also, a really good range too i don't know if you've because i've done quite a few americans now i i struggle sometimes with that the conversation becomes longer because i say something then have to explain the reference then they say something and then they have to explain yeah. the reference and it's a bit like okay yeah yeah it's not it's not as natural yeah what is a podcast recommendation that you could give out to everybody that's listening? Oh, um, I that would isn't the good bit. That isn't the good bit. Reality TV on records. We'll both do one. Yeah. Okay. Um, right now I'm loving listening to a podcast called Hey Babe, and it is uh, hosted by Sal Volcano from Impractical Jokers, uh, and Fun. Chris De- Chris De Stefano, who is another comedian from New York, and mm. it's just two comedians having a chat and Sal is one of my favourite people on TV just because I love Practical Jokers and uh, the podcast is one of my favourite things to listen to just on the background so I'd recommend Hey Babe and it is an exclamation point at the end of Babe I've got two that I am that I love that I listen to well one of them I don't listen to every week one of them is Shag Marriage and by Chris and Rosie Ramsey episodes every mm-hmm. Friday fucking love it it's the funniest thing I've ever listened to the other one is a bit of a wild card White Wine Question Time by Kate, Thaw- Kate Thornton mm. sometimes the guests are a bit odd like sometimes it's one of those that you need to like know the guest like for looking at it like Joe Sugg I just listened to his yeah. um, Scott Mills but then there's people that I don't know and don't take this in offence if you do know them anybody out there like all the person that is Amanda Decadene. Um, she's a podcaster and business owner, but I don't know her, so I'm right. not. I'm probably not going to listen. So it's hit and miss sometimes, but there are some great ones. Like she had Steps, um, 
Who else did I listen to on there? Uh, Brian Dowling, Louis Walsh. Oh, really yeah. Cool, like cultural iconic people. That's cool. Yeah. And I guess that's the trick, isn't it? Because you want people to listen regardless of, I guess in my case, because I'm, do- I'm doing an individual film each week. Yeah. You know, if, if they've not seen the film and they don't know the guest, that's that's tricky. Yeah. So I'm trying to build that, you know, rapport over the years and basically being like, I'm going to try and get an interesting conversation and be entertaining enough anyway. Um, and do you know how you do that, people listening at home? Scroll down, leave a rating and a review, leave us a nice comment, yeah. share it with your friends. The podcasting, mar- the podcasting market is so oversaturated that Absolutely. it's so fucking difficult for independent podcasts to like make it. And yeah, like we might have great guests, we might be doing this, but at the end of the money, at the end of the day, we've still got no fucking money. So please <laughs> scroll down click whatever star rating you think unless it's one don't be a dick Please um, leave a nice comment do whatever you can share it with your friends everybody loves a good podcast recommendation and yeah so fucking do that please please yes appreciate it thank you yes um we have a closing tradition on drama school dropout that i have to preface this again by saying i did not steal this from diary of a ceo by stephen bartlett i thought about it and then realized he did the same thing but my i asked all of my guests to leave a question for the next guest and the question Hmm. i think is quite fitting it was about a movie i can't remember what the movie is called so you might be able to fill me in fill in the blanks it was along the lines of if you lived in a society where you were forced to turn into an animal if you didn't find your soulmate by a certain age, what animal would you turn into? It was about a film. I'll find out the name of the film and I'll let you know because I know you're a movie buff. Uh, what movie? What animal would I turn into? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I guess I'll go something like a snow leopard or I would say a sloth, but it's too slow. Um, something like Something relaxing. Like that, you know, that looks that looks kind of menacing, but mm. is also <laughs> quite calculated. And you know, when you speak to them, <laughs> I want to be answer, I, I want to be a pigeon just so I can t- can continue shitting on people. Like, listen, you you can do that on the podcast. <laughs> that's what I do on the podcast. No, I joke. I am um, I I do the opposite of shitting. I make people look better sometimes than they actually are. There you and go. Make drop. Um, but yeah, what question would you like to leave for our next guest? come to the end of the podcast now what is coming up for you next um all right so yeah coming up i'll be working on a feature film that should be coming out in the next year should be landed on amazon at some point which would be really good um so that's coming up they, they say next year you just never know when yeah. the kind of post-production it's probably out tomorrow for. probably tomorrow who knows I, i'll yeah. never know um, <laughs> other, other than that I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of winding down for a very busy year actually that i've had so um i'm just focusing on the podcast and uh doing some stuff on the youtube channel as i said earlier on so um, obviously, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to speak about the no. podcast and stuff on. Always, like genuinely, like if you go and listen to the good bit that I was on, I chatted shit about everything that I'm doing for at least forty five minutes. Yeah, like, totally fucked with this format, so it's it's absolutely no, it's, it's it's all good. Yeah, no, but I do I relate so much to the like after such a busy year. Like, I'm so excited to sleep for like days yeah. on end. Yeah. I still absolutely. don't know how I did it. I directed and produced a play, got a degree, and did a weekly podcast. Listen, it's the hustle, and that's just part of it. Listen, you need to be busy. If you're not busy, you're doing nothing, you know? I mean, sometimes I'm busy and still doing nothing. Um, (laughs) Where can everyone follow you on social media and keep up to date with what you're doing? On social media, if you're following me personally, I am on Twitter and Instagram at CM42TV, which has just always been my kind of handle online um, and been my YouTube channel for so many years. So please go and follow me on there. And for the podcast, as Ingram so kindly mentioned, it is the Good Bit Podcast, um, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all those good podcast providers. And on Twitter and Instagram, it is at the Good Bit Pod. All linked in the show notes below. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 109 completed. Thank you so much to Chris for coming on the podcast. Make sure to follow us both on social media. You'll find all of the links that you need down in the show notes below. And while you're at it, check out my episode on Chris's podcast, The Good Bit Podcast. I'm episode 105. It was a great time. I loved it. But... 
As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I do have a bit of an announcement to make. There will be no new episode next Tuesday, because next Thursday is the podcast's second birthday. How mad is that? And to celebrate two years of Drama School Dropout, in December we're doing two episodes a week. And starting on Thursday the 1st of December, I'll be dropping two brand new episodes with some major guests. Like, I'm telling you. I cried during one of these interviews. So on December the 1st, which is a Thursday, there'll be two brand new episodes and then we'll go back to our normal schedule, an episode on a Tuesday and an added bonus episode every Thursday up until Christmas. Genuinely, we're coming up now to the two-year mark. It doesn't feel real. We just hit 100 episodes. It's absolutely mad. I couldn't have imagined all of this happening and I'm genuinely so thankful. But I'm going to shut up now because we've reached the end of the episode. Make sure to go and check out all of Chris's stuff. All of the links are in the show notes below. And we will see you again next Thursday. Have a great week. Stay safe. I love you. Drama school top No graduation day for you. Drama school top Don't you hold course, now try something new